0: Well, as you know, we've been in this series now. Are you ready for the word? I'm ready to preach it. Some, I mean, I just come ready to preach. That's every week for me. I hope, you, I hope you sense that, that I come ready to go. I come ready to preach. I mean, I, I come expecting that God's going to translate what's said here into your hearts and lives through the Holy Spirit. I'll say what he wants me to say, but y'all need to listen for what he has for you, right? I'll say what he wants me to say, but y'all got to listen for what he's having for you and how he's going to speak to your hearts. You got an open heart this morning? Alright, you ready? You ready to receive the everlasting word of God this morning? <laughs> to borrow that from a TV guy I saw one time. Y'all know who I mean? Holds the Bible up. This is my Bible. You know that guy? You can have your best life now if you listen to that guy. Come on, get me started. Give me a minute. But we started this new series new series called God Squad, right? And we and I said, you know, the first week, I said, you know the the, the, the group of uh, people you hang around with, the God Squad, like, like our, our squad here at GSN. This is, this is our God Squad, our, our GSN Squad, to be more specific. And, and I've sort of loosely kind of given it the friends theme. You can kind of see that, right? And we're talking about the first century church, when they kind of all got together and the church was born. Um, we're looking at that early church community, that early church squad, if you will, to, um, to, to glean from them. Some of the key principles that, that that early church had, you know, and to inspire us. Um, because the church, as the church, we are really the God squad. We're going out into the world representing Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's kind of that's a big responsibility, if you think about it. You know, when you, when you leave here and you're a Jesus follower, you leave here and you go out that door. You know, I've often wanted to put on the door. You're now entering your mission field. Like, it's on you. No pressure, right? Like, it's on you, Jesus followers. That's how God chose to reach the rest of the world, through us. And that's a lot of pressure sometimes. So we can glean some things from when he equipped this first century church, this first century squad that would meet together. Um, and we, we can all have some goals together and, and some things we aspire to that, we're, that we have in common even with this first uh, century believers, this first century church. And we've been exploring some of that, and, and, and I guess we're all ready to dive in this week, because you all said amen, and we're ready to go. But one of the things that's interesting is, and, and when you look at the early church community, is that you, you see they had these sort of key principles, these sort of guiding principles, and we see these emerge from the book of Acts, right? And how many know this morning, and I've been reminded, that it's Pentecost Sunday. So amen that we're in the book of Acts, right? Things started happening. The, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost Sunday, and this is when we celebrate that. This is, this is the time after Easter. We count off the days fifty days, right penta fifty Pentecost. This is when the Holy Spirit came, and it happens to be that we are in the Book of Acts, sort of getting our, our going up to our knees really this week in, in these principles that emerge from this book. And we started last week, if you remember. You know, if you don't, if you miss a week in a series, you miss a lot. But you can always go back and and rewatch it and re-listen and hear it. But something happens when we're gathered together in person, right? And if you miss a week, you miss a lot. So there's a few more weeks of this. And I'm actually, we're actually going to have the, the God Squad, if you remember how this was all kind of inspired. We had our young people, like our, our middle schoolers, right? They have a, a big group of people, drums, guitar, they lead worship now, apparently. Um, this group of worshipers and worship leaders, we're going to have them lead our worship here in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a blessing. You do not want to miss that week. Like I said, if you miss a week, you miss a lot. You don't want to miss the hash brown God squad when they're up here. You don't want to miss that. Anyone? Nothing? Is this thing on? But we got this. We've got this example in the in the the first century church, and and they were they gave themselves. Last week we said to the apostles' teaching, right? To the Bible, right? They gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, so that they had a guidebook. They had this word that they could go on, and they gave themselves also. If you remember to prayer, remember that they gave themselves to the fellowship with one another, and they didn't do life alone. Remember those things that we touched on last week. And these are some things that they, we could see in them. And, and this early church community, one thing I wanted to touch on this week, week two is amazed. One thing that this early church had, this first century church, they had this sense of awe. It says more than once in the scriptures that they sort of, they just had this sense of awe that came over them. Of who God was and is and all that he was doing in their midst and and the holy spirit came and, and on that pentecost that first pentecost sunday and there was this sense of like whoa like something is happening here god is doing something holy god is doing something supernatural in our midst and this was just coming on them and they were like we knew that this was amazing but then when the holy spirit came as he had promised you know they didn't they were kind of remedial like some of us right He kept saying that I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send somebody. You're not going to be left alone. And they were like, where'd he go? We're left alone. And then the Holy Spirit came. And then they were like, whoa, the Holy Spirit, which is awesome. And they saw things happening and they had this sense of awe. Mind-blowing things that were happening. Things you would never expect. And and one minute things were happening. People were getting baptized. People were getting saved. And the Holy Spirit was doing things. And they were like, whoa. Like, this isn't just for a select few people. This is for all people. And they were like, whoa! Mind-blowing things that were going on. And, you know, I like to... Sunday comes every week, folks, right? So i got to think of some of the things that might be sort of kind of keep your attention and keep you a little bit awake, right? So I, I thought... I, I did a search on on the, on the Google search machine thing. And, and I just typed in, you know, like, mind-blowing facts. Here's a couple that I wanted to share with you. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Did you know that you can always... See your nose. You always see your nose. Always. Your brain just chooses to ignore it. I don't know, because if you close one eye, can you, you still see it in your other eye. And, and, and some of you are not going to be able to not see it for the rest of the message. So enjoy that. Have fun with that. But it's a crazy, like, mind-blowing, like, you, you always see your nose. Just your mind t- tells you to ignore it. How about, how about how many of you like spiders? Anybody like spiders? Any spider fans? A couple, right? A couple of the kids left. There's a couple kids I know that like spiders. But you're going to love this because this <laughs> some of you are going to hate this. Each year, about 27 million tons of spiders that are on the planet, they collectively consume somewhere between 440 and 880 million tons of insects every single year. That's mind-blowing. That is the twice the weight of the human population in insects that they eat every single year. And some of you are like, wow. But some of you are like, wow, what if they didn't eat those insects? How many more bugs would we have, right, in the spring and summer? But they eat that many. It's crazy. Last one, mind-blowing. You all know Bill Gates, right? You know that if Bill Gates dropped $1,000, it would not be worth him worth his time for him to bend down and pick it up. That's mind-blowing. Like, we all know he has a lot of money. But in the time it takes Bill Gates to bend down and pick up that $1,000, he would have already earned another $1,000. Isn't that crazy? Mind-blowing. Test me, God, right? (laughs) Mind-blowing facts. There are things in life that amaze us. And I did that little experiment so that we'd be reminded some things, some amazing things, you know, in nature and things that happen in the world. But I think the truth is this morning that we can just really easily get bored in the routine of life. You know, summer's coming, right? School's going to let out and all you parents out there, some say, man, some say, shut your mouth. I asked somebody this morning, someone said, well, school's almost over. I said, well, is that that a blessing or a curse? I'm not sure. It depends on your kids, I think. But how many times this summer, how long is it going to take before your kids come to you in a whole, in one of those warm summer days and say those two wonderful words, I'm bored. I'm bored. And I don't know if your response might be like mine. Mine's like, well, start with your room. And then we can go to the dishes, and then we got some yard work, and then we got the laundry, and I got this list, and I don't think you'll hear, I'm bored the rest of the summer. So, but we do, we can kind of get to that place in our lives where we kind of think, you know what, we're just like, oh, boy, like, come on. Same old. Go up to the fridge, right, you pull it open. The fridge is full of food, and you say, man, there's nothing to eat. You walk into your closet, you open your closet, and you think, all these clothes. I mean, you couldn't get another hanger in there, some of you, and you say, man, I have nothing to wear. And you walk, you know, just, you turn on the the TV, right? There's more channels and more opportunities to watch things on TV now than ever before. And you go there, and you like 500 channels, and there's nothing to watch. Nothing I want to (laughs) watch. But in the midst of all this, you know, things kind of just sort of get routine, right? Things sort of get sort of boring, and you kind of like, ah, here we are again. And it can start to impact your faith. You know, you come into church, right? And You think, oh, here's the same, I'll sit in the same place, be surrounded by some of the same people. There's the same old preacher with the same old polo shirt. Same old story, same old stuff. You're, and you, you can begin to think, sort of, in your faith, like God, where are you in all of this? God, where are you? And and I think we're reminded of Pentecost Sunday this week, and, and how God, it may have sort of gotten routine for them, sort of like He said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna send some help. You're not gonna be alone." But they just sort of were like, "Ugh, God, where are you?" And then in, in Acts chapter four, uh, maybe somewhere around verse thirty. If I remember right, this isn't in my notes. This is a bonus, completely free. But later on in the book of Acts, when you read that, you think that when they were meeting together, all of a sudden, in the mundane, in the boring, in the there's nothing to, this is the same old, in all of that sort of boredom and and like, oh, what are we going to do? The place where they were meeting was shaken, the Bible says. Shaken. Shaken. And then what seemed like tongues of fire came down. And you could read it in Acts chapter 4 as as you go on. Acts chapter 2, all the way through Acts, really. But you see all of that sort of happening. And and maybe it was sort of mundane. And maybe it was sort of like, oh, what are we going to do? Here we are again, same old. But then they had prayer. And they had prayed, and they had gathered together, and then God started shaking things up. But I can see, even in our lives, that we can kind of get in that mundane, God, where are you in all of this? And sometimes it can start to feel routine, and we lose that sense of awe. And, and, And has anybody had... Just a show of hands or a shout, maybe has anybody had a a, a radical salvation experience like not that you were kind of born in, born in, in, on the pew or on the on the altar and sort of, but you kind of came to a point in your life where you had this salvation experience where you were kind of like radically saved. I came to Christ later on in life and it's, and it's God kind of shook things up right and, and immediately I, when I found out who really Jesus was, and what he had done for me, and who God really was. And as we start to learn early on in our Christian walk, we have this sort of sense of awe, right? We have this sort of sense of we can see God moving in our lives, and don't just chalk it up as chance or coincidence. We kind of see things, God doing miraculous things in our midst. And you think, God, I I, I didn't apply for that but it's happening and God I never asked you for this but you kind of knew and 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 you see these things start to start to form in your life and then all of a sudden there's this sense of awe and you get goosebumps on your goosebumps right when you when God does stuff like that And when you look at these first followers of Jesus they were so in awe of what God had done they were so in awe of his, just of his goodness and, and to them that it changed how they faced The challenges that they were up against in their lives and it can change things in our lives as well It can fill us god can fill us when the holy spirit came right the holy spirit's job Part of it is to fill us right be filled with the spirit. That's what we would say And in order to do that we have to be filled with the spirit. We have to empty out something which is us but we can, the Holy Spirit can fill us and we can be renewed with this sense of sort of energy and joy and awe and like, you, let me tell you what God did. If we just lift our eyes and lift our hearts to God and realize that He is present Realize again that he is alive, he is working, he is real. And it's not just about something that he did 2,000 years ago through Jesus, but it's also about what he can do in your life even today as you sit here. Through his power and his spirit, we can renew that sense of awe. Can you imagine on that day of Pentecost? We can see again him moving and working in small ways and in large ways in our lives. We can see him do the miraculous and see him really do things that surprise us. But some of us, I fear that we've kind of stopped believing that God is active and can move in a believer's life. I mean, some of you this morning, I get it, right? You turned it on, you came to church, you're here. I get that. And that that's a good step. But some of you, I know that that, that it just... You've stopped believing that God can really be active and move in in your everyday life. And here's how you know that you no longer have this sense of expectation about what God can do in your life this week or this month. You, you, You might not even remember the last time you actually took time to pray about something in your life. And I'm not just talking... Oh, God, be with me before I walk in this door. I'm talking about a a moment in time, whether it's in your car or somewhere in your wherever you pray, that you've taken time, set it aside and said, God, I need you to come through. God, I need you to come through in this. That's how you know that you may be kind of lost a little bit. That sense of awe is you can't remember the last time that you've done that. You've just sort of slid into a place where you've gotten a little bit too laid back, a little bit too casual, a little bit too routine. And what happens is you lose that sense of awe. And I want to suggest today that as we engage our faith this morning and as we look at this early church community through the word that we can really... This squad that gathered back then, right... We'll be inspired to reclaim And recapture some of that sense of awe That happened in the book of Acts To this first century squad So if you want to grab your Bibles or your apps We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 And we're going to pick it up in the very place we left off last week Acts chapter 2 verse 43 I'll have it on the screen as well And Acts chapter 2 verse 43 You know when we get to the red word We try to read that all together Because it keeps us all awake. Acts chapter 2. We said last week that this is really a picture of the early church community, right, and the first followers of Jesus in Acts chapter 1. To give you a little context, Jesus ascends into heaven. Preacher preacher Peter preaches the first message, and the book of Acts goes on, and really 3,000 people come to faith and are baptized. The church age has begun, and the believers are gathering together, and we see this beautiful picture what's going on and we go into acts chapter 2 and here's what acts chapter 2 verse 43 says it says this a deep sense of awe Awe, no awe. you see that a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders now i want you to just kind of sit here with me for a moment Because notice it says that a deep sense of awe came over them all, and that certainly must have been a result of them seeing some of the apostles, those core leaders of the early church community, doing these miracles and miraculous things. But notice how the text actually reads here. It says that a sense of awe comes first, and then the signs and wonders came after that. Juxtaposed, it's kind of backwards. Kingdom living is kind of like that. The sense of awe was in who God was. The sense of awe was in what God had already done in Jesus Christ. The sense of awe was that God was alive and moving and working in their midst. And the end result of the fact that all of that had happened is this sense of awe. So not these miraculous signs and wonders came after the sense of awe. The apostles were all empowered to do supernatural things in the midst of this faith community. And so we too can lift our eyes again to God and be filled with that sense of awe of who he is. Not just because of what he's done. We need to recapture sort of this sense of awe. A couple ways that we can do this. And I want you to hear me this morning, and and I'm not talking about anything like signs and wonders, weird stuff. We're not going to go there. No snake's going to come out and weird. Like, we're not going to do all that. Signs and wonders, these are things that didn't normally happen in their faith community. And how how can we get this sense of awe back before we even see any signs and wonders, as the scripture says? And the first thing I think we'll, we, we need to try and do is believe God again for your miracle. Believe God again, big or small, big or small. Believe God again for the big things and for the small things. How will God provide for you? How, what does what your miracle look like? Maybe it's a financial miracle. Maybe it's a spirit. Whatever it is you need to God to do, when God does something in, in this world that we don't normally see, a lot of times we call that a miracle. When God does deliver someone, when God provides salvation and that person comes to Christ, that's a miracle. I'm not talking about big healings and things like that. I'm talking about the mundane that you would consider the everyday. What, what miracle are you expecting God to deliver in your life? Believe God again for that miracle. A couple of years ago, for just a small example, well, it's small maybe to you guys, but not, not to the pastor. A few years ago, we were just a few, like the praise team, right? Shout, give me a shout out, right? Some of the praise team wasn't even here. It wasn't even at this church a few years ago. Most of us. <laughs> Most of us. Just several, just a few years ago, we were struggling to find singers, instrumentalists. You know, our, our drummer, if you're watching, Marty, man, I love you, brother. But, man, you sort of set us in motion when you moved away, brother. And that's a good thing. Maybe it was a blessing. Sort of forced us into, let's think about things, right? So our drummer moves away, and now we're kind of like, okay, what are we going to do? There's like four of us, like three or four, and it's tough, and it's a lot, and it's every week, and it's, man... And so we you know, we just started to pray. We just started to seek. God, you know, we, we know that you're you're there, we know that you're real, God, we are in awe of you, and we know, Lord, that you'll provide. So we now, I mean, fast forward just a few years later, what do we have? Two teams rotating, over fifteen people, and two drummers. <laughs> we're always trying to improve and make it better for, for, for God, right? We're trying to do our absolute best. And we strive for excellence in everything that we do. So we try to make, you know, maybe the sound a little better or make it a better kind of experience for those who would walk in and we represent the excellence God, the excellent God, right, in this place. So we want to do our very best and, and that's why we put, the, uh, put that out there just to kind of say, you know what, we want to be as good as we can be and, and do everything and worship the God who is so worthy of that good Right. We want to be as good as we can. We want to do an excellent job in everything that we do. And so we've been praying about and I'm constantly in prayer about God. Show me what we need to do next. What's our next step? What do we need to do next? How how are you going to change? How are you going to move? And we've been praying about the little things, right? I was talking about, you know, be, believe God again for your little miracles, right? We said, God, you know, the, some of this sound could be a little better, you know, but we just have the equipment we have. But if there's something, God, you, you, got, you would like to provide us with, um, and, and so a couple of upgrades or whatever. So we realized that these upgrades, right, would, would probably cost around $2,000, right? And really didn't want to dip into anything, the like savings or anything. So I just sort of prayed, God, if you'll provide a way, then we'll step into that and we'll do it. And then um, we had a designated donation of $500 come out of nowhere. Someone said, hey, you know what? I want this to be used for the praise team. I want it to be better. I want you guys to do what you got to do. 500 bucks, here it is. I'm like, all right. So we set that aside. Month or two later, God works in strange ways, right? Month or two later, here's, hey, pastor, we want to give $1,000. We want to help you purchase this stuff. Here you go. Okay, put it aside. (laughs) Waited a little bit longer. Started really looking at things now. And then one more th- one more opportunity came up. Someone said, you know what? This is going to happen. And through a, a series of events, another $500 designated for the praise team improvements came about. There's our $2,000. In about a two-month period, it all happened. Believe God. Just believe Him. Trust Him. And I'm sure you have... You, your stories, each, each person in this room has stories of specific ways that you can testify all day long for, I didn't know how this was going to happen, but God made a way. I just believed him. Every now and then, we just need to be reminded that we can believe God for that miracle in our lives, that small one or that large one, and that he hasn't abandoned us, he hasn't turned his back on us, that he's still moving and working, even in the early church. Remember, we read through the book of Acts, you can see that there's miracles of healings, and there were miracle, supernatural gifts that God gave the church, and there were words that he gave people to say, there was direction and guidance in the book of Acts that was happening, and it all points all these people to God and his love and Jesus and all that he had done and they had this sense of awe but here's the thing I'm personally convinced that as you read through the Bible God is still doing the miraculous today it's not always broadcasted it's not always out there for everybody it's not always but god is still in the miracle business and he's in the he's in the people business right and he provides and he and he opens doors and all of this happens god is still moving and working in his in his church and I believe that with everything that's in me, that his spirit, he's not, got, you know the movie, God's not dead, and he's not done, and he hasn't checked out. And one thing he didn't do, he didn't wind it all up and just sort of let it run on its own, thanks, thanks be to God. He's still working and active in his church, in people's hearts, in their lives. We just need to trust God and do what he says. God said, I will always be with you. He said, we'll never have to face the challenges that we're up against alone. He said, I'll always be with you. He said, he will empower us from the inside out. That he that is is in you, he said, is greater than he that is in the world. He said, look, our sins, our past, our failure has been forgiven because of what Jesus has done. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes we don't take God at his word. We don't believe anymore because we're just not believing, claiming what he said because we're not in his word. And I touched on that last week. And that leads to all kinds of difficulties in our lives, not being in his word. And that's why some of us feel like we're we're falling down right now. We can't get a grip on life and it's kind of spiraling and we feel like maybe God's very distant, or maybe he, that he's even less left. God hasn't left you, friends. You might be in a mess, but God hasn't left you. In the middle of your mess, the miracle that God wants to do in your heart, don't, don't miss the miracle in the mess. Don't miss in the middle of a struggle. Don't miss the work that God wants to do in that struggle. Remember we talked in battle ready about how sometimes that God won't pull you out of a situation, but he will be with you in the situation. You think, God, why are you not removing this? Why am I still in this? Look for God in that. Instead of accusing God of not being there with you, look for him in that. Believe God again for your miracle. Some of you need different types. A health miracle, a work miracle. Maybe you're just saying, I need a miracle. Something, Anything. Whatever it is, I don't don't know what every situation is, of course. But I want to suggest to you this morning that you honor God when you move forward in faith, believing that he's big enough to actually do something in your life today. You honor him. And I don't know what he'll do with it. God, I believe, still does miracles in the lives of believers. I believe he shows up. And I believe, and I'm often surprised about how he does it and who he does it for. Y'all praying for somebody you've been praying for for a long time? And you think, well, I'll still pray, but I'm not really, I'm not really sure God can reach that person. They're so far gone and not, not even close to being a believer. Not even close. I'll still pray, God, but I'm not sure I really believe it. Believe God again that he can reach that person you're praying for. And y'all know who it is. Some of you are sitting next to him. Nothing. I believe that God moves and he shows up and I'm often surprised about when he does it. And often he doesn't do it on my timetable or yours, but he moves in these situations. We need to be reminded this morning that God is moving every single day among us. We just have to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of a changed life the miracle of a changed life and God is changing lives day in and day out on a daily basis all around us we're seeing God change hearts and lives by his goodness and by his grace so believe God again for your miracle maybe some of you have just sort of given up gotten that routine you got you know what I'm kind of given up on the future I'm giving up on hope given up on your situation you just sort of throw your hands up it's been like this for too long it's been like this pastor for too long and it may seem impossible but God puts the possible in the middle of the impossible amen it may seem like there's no way forward but God is the one who can make a way where it seems to be no way And so you can ask God, you say, you know what, God, I can say to you, God, I'm going to believe again this morning. I'm going to pray again, and I'm going to trust again that God may do a miracle in your life. He may provide a different job. He may give you peace in the job that you're in. He may provide for you in a huge way financially, or he may help you find contentment and joy without all the things you think you need to have. Things you need to have. He might show up relationally and bring that knight in shining armor that you've been waiting for. He may help you find joy and contentment without that person so that you can move forward and find your purpose in life. Be aware of what God is doing. God has a great path and a great plan and a purpose for each one of us. If we'll open our heart and just be ready and look for him in the everyday and believe God for your miracle. Here's another thought from the books of Acts For our squad today. And that is this. Be a miracle for somebody else. Be that miracle for somebody else. Check this out. Acts uh, chapter 2. Go over to verse 44. And all the believers. Here's the red word. And all the believers met together in one place. And shared the money with those in need. Shared everything that they had with those in need. 46. 45. They sold their property and possessions and shared again the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And sometimes I think we can read about that early church community, right? That early God's squad right and we can be like wow you know what That that's it what they had that's it right like, that's it and there's some people that's kind of started a movement not too long ago years ago and they said you know what let's do this and they sort of got together and they said let's all share everything and they, I think they kind of took it to an extreme but the church they didn't just sort of that this wasn't a perfect meeting right we we said last week that it wasn't all like kumbaya and let's praise the Lord together there was a lot of people and when you get a lot of people together, there's a lot of problems. And they all have their issues. They all had all kinds of problems. There were all kind of tensions that happened in this first century church. And I don't think the text is suggesting that they were living in some kind of a commune together, right? This is, everyone sold everything they had, and they just sort of went into this, you know, this, this commune lifestyle. That's not what it says. It's not communism here. It's not. Because if you read it, they gathered at the temple for large gatherings, but smaller gatherings were in their homes, individual homes, people interacting together in individual individuals. Not, not maybe bigger families or a couple families that got together, maybe some individuals who had a lot in common, maybe those uh those early uh those, those parents with young children sort of going th- through that season of life together said, "You know what let's meet together over here in our house and we'll share the lord's supper and we'll start we'll share everything and we'll kind of make sure everybody's okay we'll pray for one another but they had these you know these these people in these early early uh, in this early church there were multiple homes they said they gathered in. And they had access to, to kind of these, these multiple gatherings throughout, I'm sure, throughout their days. But they felt inspired by God of their own volition. They said there's no real indication that they were forced to do any of this. It was compulsory. So it's not like communism where it's like, you must gather here, here, and here. But it was on their own accord. They said, you know what, we have these things in common with some of these people. And I could just picture it, you know, these are, these are the early small groups, right? They were early. The, the, the early church did it the first time. They were a mega church that broke out into small groups. They really were. There were three thousand plus, and then they broke out into people's homes. It says it. Some of them have, had had these extra properties that they met with, and the text says that they all, all set it at the feet of the leaders, so the church could could use it and take it and distribute to each other, not only to the church community but to those in need. So they shared everything. They said, "You know what? You 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 need you need a, a hedge trimmer. I got a hedge trimmer." You can use my hedge trimmer. In fact, they looked at all their stuff, and, and the Bible says that they kind of said, what, what can we use, and what can we give to the church? What can the church use? And then the church would distribute it to those who had need. So the, the early believers would say, all right, bring all your stuff, and let's not only meet one another's needs, but let's meet the needs of the community too. And so one of the values you see in the early church community is what I would call radical Generosity. They were radically generous, and it wasn't like a guilt thing. It was like more like I, it wasn't like, "Well, I'm more generous than you." So look at all the stuff I'm bringing. It wasn't like that. It was just inspired by God in their individual lives, and they just showed that generosity. Not only with money, but they shared their food, they shared their time, they shared the, the, all kinds of things, their resources. They shared their table. They were generous people. And what's the end result when a church community like this embraces radical generosity? What's the end result? The goodwill of the people, right? The goodwill of the people because they'll look at the church community and they say, man, the whole community can look at that little church community and say, man, look at the work they're doing. They're meeting needs, they're feeding the hungry, they're taking care of people who are wrestling with addictions, they're, they're going into prisons, they're serving people who are in need, they're doing a good work, and they're making a moral impact on the young people that gather, and my hope and prayer that for our church, for this church right here, this body of believers in this season today going forward, is that we, are, we would be people. That would be able to reach people who may be far from God, right? There may be people in our community that are far from God, and their their conception of what who God is. And there are people that maybe who are, want nothing to do with Christianity or our message or the church, but they would look at that, that this church, this body, and in our community, and they would say, "You know what? I'm glad they're there. They want no parts of what we say." They're not going to be here, be glad that we're here because of what we believe necessarily or what we say, but they're going to know and they're going to be glad we're here because of what we do. Because of what we do. When we feed the community when there's a need, there are people that will never darken the doors of this church or any other, but they still lined up out in this parking lot every single week. And I want this community to know we are representing the God that loves us and loves you. Whether you choose to believe or not, whether you ever come into our church or not, I want the community to look at our church and say, you know what, I'm glad they're there. Because when there's a need through, through those distributions or those, the dinners that we have, the annual dinners that we have, and we invite and we provided a drive-through one this past year, but it's reaching out through things like compassionate ministries, right? Here to meet needs providing a blessing box outside for anyone who has a need some of the people we reach they might may never agree with our message or with jesus or with any of that but we want to hear them say you know i'm glad that church is there because this is how this has worked when goodwill is garnered in the community because you know generosity has been shown again and again and again That's who we want to be as a church. We want to be a church that believes that God is still on the move, just like the early church, that God is still doing miracles, just like the early church, and that God is still working. We want to anticipate and pray like we believe that he can still work, and we want to respond by being a miracle to others, by literally embracing radical generosity to other people. Whether that's our time, our talent, our stuff, whatever God blesses us with as a church, we want to serve our community. And that will generate goodwill. And here's how the math could work on that. Eventually, somebody, someday, is going to get to a place in their life where maybe they're going through a hard time. Maybe they're really going through it. And maybe they go through a difficulty maybe spiritually and they start asking questions and opening their hearts and they're going to remember that one church that served their family or a church that showed up for their friend in a time of need because that's what we do. Not because of what they say, they'll walk in and they'll begin to open their heart to God. And maybe, just maybe, our church, this body of our squad, can be a catalyst to help them start a spiritual journey on their own. That's who we want to be. So the early church was generous. Now generosity with time, with talent, with stuff, it's not only amazing in a church community. It's amazing for us personally as a follower of Jesus, as an individual. There's a book out called The Generosity Paradox. And these individuals looked at some research around generosity, and they looked at five factors of well-being. And those factors were, follow with me, happiness, bodily health, purpose of living, avoidance of depression, and an interest in personal growth. And they looked at these five indicators of, of well-being. And the, and in their research, they looked at people who would consider themselves generous, not just with money, but including money, but other things in their lives. And they would say that they were not really... And they would look at other people who said they were not really generous. They didn't really think beyond themselves much. And here's what they found. In these five categories, the people who were generous consistently... They were higher. They had more happiness, more sense of purpose, less depression, more of a sense of an interest in personal growth, and better health than those who were who were living miserly. You know what that is? Miserly. And I like the fact that you know, my, being a miser and miserable are two words that kind of play on each other. And and the, the research sort of bears this out as well. That they showed that the. Uh, the hormone that is called cortisol, it's a hormone that's connected with stress. They found in all the research that people that were generous actually had chemically, physically, they had less levels of cortisol than people who were not generous. So I think what all of this is telling us that when Jesus says that it's better to give than receive, in, generally, in general, he's not only pointing out to us a spiritual principle and a moral principle, but he's also pointing out in all of his wisdom uh, an emotional and physical principle as well. He knows. God has wired us up to be a generous people. And so the researchers who wrote this book called it the generosity paradox because they said what's interesting is you would think that the more you have, the more you'll be satisfied. But they said in all the research that it's actually the more that people gave that the more their life felt fulfilled. And I get excited about when I, when I think about what our church family here has done this past couple years, the past year for sure, and what is coming up in this summer and in the, in the future. I get excited because I know how, how our church is generous with our time, with our talent, and with our resources. And it's because of that generosity of our church family that we were able to literally serve hundreds, even thousands of people in our community right outside our doors. It's because of your generosity, your individual generosity that translates into this house that we're able to have a live stream that makes a difference. And, and it's because of your generosity we see all these things happening. And I asked myself this. You know, we're going into this new season, right? I, I think of spring and summer as like the new beginning, right? Uh, January comes in a new year, but it's still cold and nasty and snowy. I look at spring, right, for the time of new beginnings and a new season in our life. Things are popping up out of the ground, things can get exciting, the weather's getting nice, we can start going outside and doing stuff. But we're about to have some planning meetings for some events coming up. By the way, if you're good at planning and you're good at uh, event planning, um, see me. We want to include you in on some things. Um, But I want to say thank you, first of all, to all those who are gathered here that are watching online that have taken time to use your talent, your resources, whatever you got to be generous, your stuff both the church, through the church, and just privately, you know, helping other people, helping other friends. I, I hear stories all the time about so-and-so who went over to visit so-and-so because they were having a tough time, and there was this, this, this moment that took place, this God moment that took place because they did that, because someone was generous in their time and going to visit people. And here in this church, there are people and there are groups that step in and help, and there are people that do things that don't make it up here on the platform, right? There are a lot of things that happen in this church a lot of outreach that goes on and it's just little tiny things but a bunch of a million little things as they say that go on behind the scenes that never make it up here never make it on the screen but that's why this church community is strong and is is generous that they people have embraced the 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 giving of the time and the talent and the treasure we just go and do that's just it so and so is a need we just go and do you're 50 miles away. Someone goes in the hospital. You turn around and you come back. It's just what you do. Radical generosity that happens here. You know what? Here's what happens. Those researchers found what they found, that a better sense of well-being and all of this stuff can happen. Imagine what could happen in our community if our impact grew exponentially because we were all so generous with what God gives us. It would be incredibly awesome. That's why I asked for this little example right here. Y'all seen one of these before? I mean, this is kind of represents, you know, our little church, right? In our community. And here we are, we're all kind of here and we're taking care of each other. But when certain people start to step out and certain groups start to step out, things can happen like that, like things can start to happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, our, our little community starts to reach out just a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And this little community can then reach the entire world because people were generous with their time, talent and treasure, like radically generous. Our little community reaches the entire world because a few people, a few dozen people probably start to reach out and get radically generous with their time, talent and treasure. So, what has God put in your hands? What has God put in your hands? What has God given you? What resources has God given you? Time, talent, treasure. What has God given you to share with the church community? Because we look back at that first squad, right? What did they do? They met together. And they found people that had a need, whether they were people sitting in their midst or people that they needed to reach out to. And they figured out a way through their own resources to make that happen. So what's God bless you with? Come on up, Randy. What has God blessed you with? Has he blessed you with an abundance of time? Maybe you look at your life now and you think, you know what, I got a lot of time. Maybe he's blessed you with an abundance of, of stuff. You just kind of collected a bunch of stuff. You got a bunch of stuff. Somebody needs something, call me. Somebody needs something, give me a call. I probably have it. I know several people in this church like that. Anybody got one of these? <laughs> Let's call so-and-so. They'll have it. Maybe it is money. Maybe God's been good to you financially. And you want to share that with the church community. Hey, whatever, however there's a need, here you go, pastor. You and the leadership team and the church, you pray over this and here you go. Whatever he's blessed you with, how how are you using those resources in this squad right here to make a difference, to be a miracle to someone else? Would you stand this morning as we close? Reflect on what you've heard this morning. Really take some time to take inventory in your life and, and see what God has blessed you with and, and believe God again. Maybe you're in that season of life that you just sort of are like, man, there's just nothing in the fridge, and yet the fridge is full. You're in that season of life where you just look and say, you know what? I just haven't seen God move in a long time. Let me tell you something God is still moving, and He wants to move in your life. Maybe you need to see God move and you need to believe God for that miracle in your life again. Maybe you're in that place. But maybe you're in the other place too that we talked about that you want to be a blessing, you want to be a miracle to someone else. You want to be that miracle to someone else. Maybe you do it through the church, maybe you do it individually. But however God is speaking to you this morning if you really took inventory of your life, you would see that God has blessed you immensely. With something. Time, talent, treasure, resources, ideas, gifts, anything. God has blessed you. If you're still here breathing, God has blessed you in your life. Could you be a miracle to someone? maybe through this local church or maybe through you you individually. But would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, God, in your presence again, we come, Lord, and God, I pray that this isn't just another ending, closing benediction prayer, but I pray, Lord, that you have used these words found in the book of Acts and used this example of the early church, this first squad that gathered together in your name and had this sense of awe, on over who you are god they had this sense of all and then once they kind of established lord that you are amazing that you are god who you say you are and that you are performing miracles and you are doing all these things but god first came that sense of awe, and i wonder lord on this pentecost sunday If we might experience you, Lord, fresh and anew this morning, God. We've gotten caught up, if some of us are honest, we've gotten caught up in the mundane. And we really haven't seen you move in our lives. And I look at the Word and, and it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, if you moved in that first church, that first century church, you can move again in your church right here in Hermitage, Pennsylvania. And God, you can move in individuals' lives. So God, if that's where we are this morning, those that are gathered here this morning are calling out to you, God, wanting to renew that sense of awe, Lord, and believe again that you can move in their lives, that you can move, Lord, you can deliver, you can sustain. Your faithfulness is beyond our even comprehension. God, if there are those that are gathered this morning, I pray that you would speak to their hearts and let them know that you are crying out. Your desire, Lord, is for them to surrender to you and believe again that you can move in their lives. That we can believe again for that miracle, whatever it is, big or small. And Father, I pray also that those who would who would embrace this knowledge and embrace the fact, God, that, that you are moving and you are active, and God, you do use the resources that you've blessed our lives with, that God, somehow, some way we would choose to be a miracle to someone else. That we, God, would would somehow pool our resources together in this little gathering that you call the local church that is the hope of the world. And that somehow, Lord, as we gather together in your house and we put our minds and put our stuff and put our resources, our time, our talent, our treasure together, Lord, that we can reach a lost and very dark and dying world outside these four walls. That when we gather together in gatherings on Sunday mornings, God, it really is a time of learning, but a time of also equipment us Lord to gather our things and to gather together Lord to go then and be sent people out into this world that we might reach the community at large and reach the greater world for Jesus Christ and have kingdom work accomplished through us God in this world I pray Lord that you would use the people that you're calling even right now to get that radically generous spirit about them Lord that they would say you know what I don't have much but here's what I do have. It's at your disposal. It's at your disposal, God. Use this, me, use it all. Use me and everything that I have, God, to change hearts and lives because it is worth it. It's worth it. If because of the things that we do at this church, Lord, over the next several weeks and months, if, Lord, one person starts a journey with Jesus because of something that we do, that God, it's worth it. It was all worth it. And as the old song says, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for blessing us. I thank you for showing up, Lord, in a message like this and speaking to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Change us from the inside, God. Work on us. Let us believe again for that miracle so that we can then be a miracle for someone else. Gather this God squad together, Lord, as often as you'd like us to get together. And we will give you the praise and the glory. And as we leave this place, God, may we not depart from your presence. Holy Spirit, go with us into our mission field as we leave this church. It's in these things, in Jesus' name, that I ask these things. And it's for his sake that we pray. And the church agreed together saying amen. And amen. Y'all are dismissed. Thank you.